1: Ryan, this is an interesting weekend. We've had some great weekends of college football. And this weekend is very interesting because, like, last weekend we talked about how there was a lot of big games, but then a mm-hmm. lot of, like, really interesting games after that. You know, you talked about, like, the Duke-North Carolina game. Not a lot of people were talking about that game. You and I were very intrigued by that game and what it meant. And and we went out and saw it was a great game. I mean, 30 – I think Duke – or North Carolina won, like, was it, like, 38-35. I'm looking for the final now. Uh, the Michigan State-Wisconsin game was very intriguing. Purdue-Nebraska was a very interesting game. You know, Oregon State picked up a really sneaky good victory last week, beating Washington State to get them back on track. They're now up to 5-2. and two. Uh, Fresno yep. State had a great upset over San Jose State last week. There were just a lot of really quality games outside of LSU. Florida was a very interesting game. Washington-Arizona, just a lot of really intriguing matchups on top of the huge games that we saw last weekend. This week's a little different because at the top, there's some really great games this weekend. After that, not a lot of games that really interest us a whole lot. So we're going to stick to just really six games that really interest uh, interest us this week, Ryan. And I'm going to start with a game that matters most to Notre Dame. And that is on Saturday at noon on ABC – Is number five Clemson at number 14 Syracuse? This is a fascinating matchup. 14 point underdog is what Syracuse is, but here's the crazy thing Is there a team in the ACC since Dino Babers arrived? Has there been a team in the ACC that has played Clemson consistently as tough as Syracuse? Now, you look at the scores and you say, okay, well, some of those games were blowouts, but like even the game. In what was it? I'm trying to look it up here. I think it was 2019 where uh, it was a game where Clemson ended up winning 47 to 21. But if you go back, it was 19 is what No, it was 20. It was the 20 season. Ryan is when it happened. They won 47, 21. But if you go, if you remember that game, Syracuse was winning in the third quarter of that game. Clemson piled Mm -hmm. on late. Uh, Syracuse beat Clemson in 2017. Uh, it was, a, if you remember that game, uh, they knocked Kelly Bryant out of the game. He they couldn't play. They came back and won the next year. Cle- Syracuse had a big lead on Clemson. Chase Bryce comes off the bench. It was Trevor Lawrence's first start, leads them to a last second victory. Yet another great game. Uh, twenty nineteen was a blowout. Twenty twenty ends up being a blowout, a twenty six point blowout. But again, Syracuse had a lead in the fourth in the second half of that game, and then last year's game was seventeen to fourteen. There has not been a team that has played Clemson as tough as Syracuse, no matter how bad they are. The 2018 team that almost beats Clemson was a 10 and three team. But the mm-hmm. 17 team that actually beat Clemson, who was the number one seed in the playoff that year, was four and eight. Like it just yeah. doesn't matter how bad Syracuse is, they play Clemson tough more often than not. Now you have them where they're both really good again. And I think it creates a very fascinating matchup, Ryan. So it's it, I just wanted to set the stage first of all just to kind of lay out like, boy, this is a really intriguing matchup. And who would have thought coming into the season that this is always a game to watch for Clemson because of how well they've played them since Dino showed up or Coach yep. Baber showed up. But now it's a it's it's for Atlantic supremacy because these are the two undefeated teams in the Atlantic division. The winner of this battle kind of supplants himself or puts themselves on top of the Atlantic and says, now you have to do something. Now we have to lose twice. Because we beat we beat uh, uh, Syracuse, they beat NC State, they've now beat head to head all the teams that could potentially beat them. So now you better hope we lose twice. same thing for Syracuse. So yep. this is a really fascinating game Ryan, and not one that I would have predicted before the season that we'd be talking about as a a, a huge battle between uh the arguably the two best teams in the ACC this year.
0: Just go to Indeed.com slash BlueWire right now and support our show by saying that you heard about Indeed on this podcast. That's Indeed.com slash BlueWire. Terms and conditions apply. Need to hire? You need Indeed.
2: Well, I was going to say, raise your hand if you had... Syracuse being undefeated playing against Clemson on your bingo card. Like, no one had it, man. Like, no one had it. Like, no. let's be honest. I thought – I you remember the, in the preseason, Brian, I was like, I think St- Syracuse could be like a sneaky team. But, like, I didn't think they'd be undefeated at this point, right? Like, I don't think anybody predicted that one. But to your point, Syracuse has pretty regularly given Clemson some interesting football games, man. They have. So, I have in my prediction, I had it 31-16, to Clemson comes out on top. But I do think that this is one where – Syracuse is keeping it close for a long time. And then in the fourth quarter, there's kind of like a little yeah. bit of a separation that happens, yeah. you know, like maybe it's 23 or 24 to 16 and like the, you know, 10 minutes left in the fourth and then a touchdown kind of pulls it away. And I think the biggest difference in this game is Clemson secondary has been under underwhelming this year for the most part, right? There's been some teams oh, yeah. that have been able to throw the football on them, especially wake forest. But I don't think that Syracuse, even though, Garrett Schrader's playing better football than he ever has on the college level. I just don't think he's a consistent enough passer where he's going to be able to put up huge numbers. Like, you know, I like a Rondé Gatson junior, but I just don't think offensive offensively from a passing perspective, Syracuse is quite good enough. And I think that what Syracuse does well kind of goes right into where Clemson wins, you know, like they they want to run the football. Sean Tucker wants to get downhill. Garrett Schrader wants to keep stuff off of Reed zone and power Reed. Like that's, their formula for success, and what Clemson has, is a stout front four that's deep. Couple good backups in the, in that rotation as well, and they have some dudes at linebacker. Man, I mean Trent Simpson. I know he's been a little banged up, but even without him, Barrett Carter is a really good football player. Jeremiah Trotter Jr. just had 13 tackles last week for Clemson, so they have a really nice second level, and they have a deep, deep defensive line so i think this kind of plays into their favor a little bit when you're clemson i think that their biggest strength defensively can kind of take or at least limit some of what syracuse does really well so i think it's 31 16 clemson syracuse hangs tough but clemson's town ultimately wins out
1: in the end that's where i'm at too ryan i think the matchup for syracuse is not good because the thing is is syracuse what we thought they were going to be really good at this year was running the football and they've been good at running the football but not great at running the football this season. They have, I mean, Sean Tucker's down almost a full yard per carry less. He's averaging 107 yards per game. He's 124 last year. Uh, Garrett Schrader's still a good runner, but he's down yards per carry from where he was last year. He's not on the same track he is from a yard standpoint, close. But they just haven't been as big play as they were last year, which surprises me because they've been so much better throwing the football this year. But the big thing for me for Syracuse is they've been winning with defense and ball control. And I don't think that's how – that's not the recipe to me to beat Clemson. Not for them. And you look at their offense. I mean, they're they they're, they're averaging – I mean, their points per game looks good, right? 36 points per game. It's very inflated. They scored 48 points against a, Utah, you know, a UConn team that's just not good. I mean, UConn's yeah. not good on defense. And then they scored 59 points against Wagner, an FCS team. They scored 25 – 24 points against NC State last week. They only scored 22 against Virginia – they did score 32 against Purdue and most of that came in the fourth quarter. And then they beat Louisville 31 to seven, but their last two scoring drives that game, Ryan covered a combined 38 yards for two touchdowns. That was yeah. their defense making plays to put, give them short fields to put that game away. It wasn't like they went out and dominated at the at the line of scrimmage and went out and just put 31 points on Louisville. Uh, that wasn't the case. I mean, they only, they, they just, they didn't do that. Now, They've been much more balanced this year, but they've been really inconsistent running the football. I mean, they had 208 against Louisville and then 388 against Wagner, but they were 156 on the ground against UConn, only 125 against Purdue. It's got a pretty good run defense this year. 75 Mm -hmm. against Virginia. They had a good week last week against NC State for 179, and they were able to do the ball control thing, but NC State's offense was just crippled last week. You take Devin Leary off that team and they're not good. They're just – they're they're a maybe 500 football team I mean that's how I feel about NC State right now yep so I just don't think the matchup is there I'm with you I think it's going to be a close competitive game for at least a while but I think Clemson just has too many athletes on offense I think they'll make some big plays I think they'll be able to wear Syracuse down a little bit Clemson's not a great running team either and they don't this is the the Clemson of the past so I don't I don't know if I think they can blow them out I mean the only the only game where I was really impressed by the Clemson offense was against Wake Forest, whose defense is not very good. So I, I think at the end of the day, Clemson will grind it out, but I do think this is going to be a, a good football game. I, I do. So uh, that's where I'm at for this game. Second game we're going to talk about is a very interesting game, Ryan, and and I am I was surprised at how our staff made picks. So we we made predictions for uh, the, the Syracuse-Clemson game. We also made predictions for the Ole Miss-LSU game. And I had a different pick than everyone else on the staff. And it's one of those times where I hope you are all right. That is number seven Ole Miss at LSU. It is a three thirty game on CBS. LSU is a one-point favorite. That line changed a lot when I was doing this last night. So, like, I wrote this article after midnight last night is when I finished this article. And I went to check the spread. And the spread was LSU was a two-and-a-half-point favorite. It changed a point-and-a-half since last night. It's now down to one. So obviously there's some money moving on those sides. This is a fascinating matchup too, Ryan, because you have two teams that you just don't know what you're going to expect from them week after week. (laughs) There are some weeks when LSU Ole Miss looks like, okay, this is a, this is a potential like contender for the West crown. And then other weeks you're like, they gave up that many yards to Auburn. Seriously. I have had such a hard time figuring out this Mississippi team this year, Ryan. I mean, you know, as, as I talked about in, in my breakdown, it's like, you know, one week they're they're looking great and they're shutting people down. And then the next week they they can't stop anybody. I mean, they get ripped up by AJ Swan. You know, like he's shredded. Hey, I, like, them I, I like AJ Swan. By I, the way. I get I that, like but he's the quarterback at Vanderbilt. He's a true freshman, yeah. right? Now he was a good yep. player. Was, I think he was committed he to Maryland a for a while. But yep. you shouldn't get ripped up by AJ Swan. And then the next week you go out and you play Auburn who has struggled to move the football really all year. And you give up 301 rushing yards. I mean, the only other team that they've had more than 122 rushing yards against this year was Tulsa. That's it. They only rushed for 102 yards on 40 carries against central Arkansas. They went for 50. Oh, I'm sorry. I'm looking, I'm looking at uh, Auburn's rush defense. That was the weird thing about it. I'm looking at uh, uh Auburn's rush offense same principle they went for 285 against Mercer 210 against San Jose State then they're 119 against Penn State 82 for 45 carries against Missouri 101 on 31 carries against LSU 92 yards on 25 carries against Georgia and then 301 yards on 48 carries against Ole Miss and it's just Mm -hmm. like but then you look at Ole Miss's defense and you're like, well, where the heck did that come from? Because the numbers I was giving a second ago uh, were uh, were what they've given up on the ground. They gave up 262 yards rushing to Tulsa and 301 to Auburn. But then they held Troy to 60, Central Arkansas to 102, Georgia Tech to 53, Kentucky to 108, and Vanderbilt to 122. So it's like, which Ole Miss team's going to show up? I have no clue. Yeah. And LSU's the same. They're schizophrenic, Ryan. Their offense looked anemic in beating Auburn and Tennessee. Then they come out last week against Florida, and their offense looks like, dude, if their offense plays like this the rest of the year, they can play with anybody on their schedule. But you just have no clue who they're going to be. So, yeah. uh, you know, it, it made predicting this game really tough, Ryan, because I just don't know which of these two teams, which two versions of these football teams is going to show up. And I hope the one that you guys think is going to show up is the one that shows up. So I'm going to get your prediction, Ryan, and then kind of how you see mm-hmm. this game playing out a little bit.
2: Ole Miss is a really weird defense, to your point, Brian, and I talked about this a little bit and just kind of my opinion on it. I mean, they have some guys up front, man. Like they have Cedric Johnson and Jared Ivy at defensive end, Tavius Robinson's another defensive lineman they have that's really talented. They have Shaheen Battle at cor- – um, not Shaheen Battle, the, um, the other A.J. Finley in the defensive backfield for Ole Miss. It's a, all really talented football players, man. I think all future NFL players and at times – their defense has looked way improved than it was last year. And then other times it's just kind of been really up and down. So that's the reasoning for my pick is that I do think LSU is going to be able to score a little bit. I mean, I think you saw some really good moments out of Jane Daniels last week. I think they finally started getting Kayshaun Boutte involved in the offense. So the passing attack in LSU is, is working a lot better, but I think that the one thing that you can count on for Ole Miss is Ole Miss is going to score some points in this football game, in my opinion, because Lane Kiffin is a really good offensive coach You have Jackson Dart, who's been a little bit inconsistent, but he's really done a nice job in the running game on top of some of the passing numbers that he's put up. You have a good wide receiver out there in Jonathan Mingo. The two-headed running back, Quishon Jenkins and Zach Evans, has been a really good running back tandem for them. So I think ultimately this is a higher scoring game than maybe some people anticipate, but I have Ole Miss coming out 41-30 to because I just think they're a little bit more of an explosive offense. They've been a little bit more consistent offensively than LSU has. And I think that you know it's it's a high scoring game because I think Ole Miss has the dogs to kind of hold this LSU team down a little bit, but their defense has just been too inconsistent to give it any lower of a score than I went. So 4130, Ole Miss. And the last question I have for you, Brian, is what is uh, what is Ole Miss ranked coming into this game? You're you're on mute, but I will I will I will answer for you. It is n- number seven. Seventh.
1: It, yes. Yes. Sorry. So rank
2: seventh. Sorry. No, you're fine.
1: They're ranked seventh, which means Brian Kelly is facing a top ten team. So all I have to say is Hottie toddy, baby. That's that, and that's kind of the thing. Is that's the other part? Is like LSU just didn't even show up to play against Tennessee. Are they yes. going to show up to play against Ole Miss? I have no idea. Uh, I went LSU thirty one twenty seven simply because I don't have a lot of faith that Ole Miss is going to be able to to shut down the, the just the way they've played the last two games. I mean, one thing if they just had an off week against Auburn, it'd be different. But it was two games in a row where our defense really struggled, and that's kind of my concern. And so it really was more about just going with the home team. If it was at Ole Miss, I'd I'd predict Ole Miss to win more convincingly than just 31-27. Here's the key for me for Ole Miss, Ryan, is it's the pass rush. Their pass rush has been very inconsistent. There are games where they look really good. I mean, they ate Georgia Tech up. Now, Georgia Tech's offensive line stinks, and they give up a lot of pass rush, which we saw last night against Virginia. Uh, when Jeff Sims went out with an injury and they just, the other, I mean, that kid by the end of the game was, I mean, did you see him just kind of fall down at his own two yard line on that late nah. drive? Yeah. It was like, it. they no. got the ball back down 16, nine, like four minutes left. And on third down, he, there was like a pressure and he just literally just like fell down. He just like went to a fetal position. It was that. Bad. That was the
2: backup Zach Gibson. The backup. His yeah. Name yeah. is. Yeah. yeah. He's got not it.
1: good. He is not good. <laughs> and, and so That's- it was really bad, but I just, I don't know. That's the key for me. Ole Miss is gonna have to pressure Jaden Daniels. When teams have been able to get pressure on Jaden Daniels, it throws you off. Mm-hmm. It just I mean, they, they like they just can't move the ball, they can't score. Tennessee did a great job of that. And and I'm hoping that Ole Miss can do that. Because look, I, I to be honest with you, I, I want Ole Miss to win this game. I do. I yes. you, you, everybody knows my feelings on this. I'm not gonna hide my feelings on this one. I don't want to see Brian Kelly in this game because I don't like the guy. But if I'm looking at it from an analyst standpoint, it's the same reason I picked. I was the only person to pick LSU to beat Florida last week because just the matchup wasn't isn't isn't ideal. So if the old Miss defense comes to play, Ryan, this game will be over. Mm-hmm. You know yeah. what I mean? So all right, drunk is gone. So I'm, yes. I'm tired of it. Uh, yep. So anyway, um, so anyway, Ryan, that's kind of how I see it playing out. If Ole Miss's defense can come to play, then I think they can not only win this game, but win this game where they're clearly the better team for 60 minutes. I just don't know what version of them is going to show up. And since LSU is the home team, I'm going with the LSU def- defense or offense to make enough plays and their defense to make enough stops. So uh, I, I really hope I'm I'm wrong on this one at this point. LSU is a tough place to play, so I get it, man. I
2: totally get that. Didn't look
1: that tough for uh, Tennessee, but uh, Ole Miss isn't Tennessee. <laughs> Traditionally. As, of, as Traditionally. of right now, right. Now, the rest of the staff, uh, Vince picked Ole Miss to win 41-34. Sean Davis picked Ole Miss to win 30-27. to Andrew McDonough picked Ole Miss to win 33-26, and Sean Stiers picked them to win thirty-two twenty-six. 26 So uh, this is definitely one of those games, Ryan. I would love to see all of you Gain a game on me in the standings. I would love that to happen actually this week because I would like to see that happen. This next, is the week that next, my
2: comeback works, baby. This is the week. It there you go. I'm all week. for it.
1: I am all <laughs> for it. I'm all for it. I'll let that one play. Another three big 330 game, Ryan, is number nine UCLA at number 10 Oregon. Also, 330, as I said, will be on Fox. Oregon is a six and a half point favorite. UCLA has been a surprise to a lot of people. I like. I, I mean, you, you've known this. I've been higher on UCLA than than a lot of people. But it's kind of like what you said about Syracuse. I don't know if I predicted them to be. I didn't see them being six and zero right now, though. Right? I didn't see yeah. them being undefeated coming into this game. Actually, are they six and zero? Are they seven and zero? I think they're they're six and zero. Correct? Am I correct on that? I think I, I'm right think on that. Right. One. Let me go. Think let me go right. to the to. Yeah, so let's see, UC, UCLA, and there's so many good 330 games on. Yes, they're 6-0, Oregon's 5-1. and Oregon got blown out in the opener by Georgia, and they've looked really good ever since. So this is a, a game, Ryan, between two really hot teams in the Pac-12. Uh, UCLA continues to just go out there and not only win, but this year when UCLA has played in big games, Ryan, they're not only winning, they're winning convincingly. I mean, yep. the most competitive game they've had all year so far was against South Alabama. I mean, they're, they're smacking people. I mean, they beat, they beat Washington 40-32. to 32. Washington scored the last two touchdowns of that game. It was not competitive. They beat mm-hmm. Colorado 45-17. They beat Utah 42-32 in a game that, again, they controlled that game from start to finish. Oregon has been that way with one exception. They had to come way from behind to beat, to beat Washington State. That was a great comeback. But outside of that, they have also dominated the teams they've played. So this is two red-hot Pac-12 teams, uh, two Pac-12 teams that are looking for uh, to remain the last, you know, the king of the hill. They're both undefeated in the conference. Remember, Pac-12 got rid of divisions last year. So mm-hmm. there's a chance – so unlike the Syracuse Clemson game, where the loser is could be on the outside looking in for the, the ACC title game, this could set up a potential rematch moving forward. But now the team that loses gets on a very thin margin for error, Ryan, because there are a lot of teams at the top of the Pac-12 that have a chance to battle. You've got Oregon and U- UCLA are both three and zero. USC is four and one. Utah's three and one. And so there's a lot of games are going to play against each other. Utah, I mean, even Washington and Oregon State, who are both two and two, are right there ready to pounce and upset a team ahead of them in order to try to get into that. So the loser all of a sudden falls behind and now is in a battle. The winner puts himself up as the, okay, our margin for error is wider uh, as you look to create a chance to get into the the Pac-12 title game. This is also, Ryan, a road game for UCLA. The only time they've gone on the road so far this year was against Colorado. They have played a lot of home games. So that adds to it as well. So, Oregon, number 10, host, number nine, UCLA. Ryan Roberts, how do you see this game playing out?
2: It's a really interesting one, Brian, because I I mean, I'm excited that UCLA has really gotten back to prominence here, right? Like they've turned, I mean, this is their best season that they've had in a long time right now. And Chip Kelly, a lot of been a lot of doubters have been around kind of that higher and into, you know, the year, what is it, four now for him, but he's done a tremendous job, obviously working to this point. And it's a great story because this is a little bit of a redemption story at quarterback. You've know, you seen Dorian Thompson Robinson on the side of UCLA be extremely up and down through his entire career, playing by far his best football this year. You have on the other side Bo Nix, who has a terrible game against Georgia, but to your point, has been a very good player since that bad outing against Georgia. So this one hurts me because you know my feelings about Bo Nix, but I picked Oregon to come out on top (laughs) of this one, man. 34-31. It's not really – the difference between the quarterbacks because I think both of them are going to be able to score some points. I mean, on both sides, there's a lot of talent. Oregon has some nice wide receivers that have done some good things this year. UCLA has guys like Shaq Charbonnet, who's been a really talented football player for them. Jake Bobo, who's been fantastic since transferred over from Duke. I think the difference is that we're going to see a little bit of a high-scoring game But I think Oregon's defense is going to make a deciding play in this football game. So I think Oregon's defense just has a couple more players on it that I think are a little more of difference makers than what UCLA has. So I think Oregon's going to have a big play defensively to kind of take the full momentum of this game in the the last couple minutes. And I think Oregon
1: comes out on top in a big victory, 34-31 over UCLA. I would love to see UCLA win this game. I would. I mean, if as a fan, I'm watching this game, I'm rooting for UCLA to win the game. But when I break it down, Ryan, I have Oregon winning for a number of reasons. Number one, I think they just have a little bit more firepower. I actually think US, UCLA has the better overall defense, but I think that that the, the the I think Oregon matches up a little bit better. I think against USC UCLA's offense than I think. Um, they do. I mean, look, even even against Georgia, Georgia didn't run the ball effectively against Oregon. Oregon's rush defense this year—they gave up 132 to Georgia, 100 to Eastern Washington, 61 against BYU, 53 against Washington State. They held Stanford held Stanford 127, and then they gave up 115 against Arizona last week. So they haven't they haven't really struggled against the run. Now, having said that, none of the teams that they've played this year, with all due respect to Georgia. Are anywhere close to being as good running the football as as UCLA is. I mean, they they just haven't. Georgia's rushing offense is kind of dominated against bad teams. They haven't really looked great running the ball this year. They're not like they were in the past. But that that was, you know, the same this actually the team that held them to the lowest rushing yards this year was Samford. But I just I don't feel like they've been tested. So that's kind of the a little bit of the unknown that I have. But to your point, I think that Oregon's defense has a chance to make more plays. I think UCLA's defense has been playing more consistently in recent weeks, but I just don't know if they have the perimeter speed to to win this game. The reason that I thought that they could beat uh, Utah last week is because I thought they could control the trenches, and they did. This game to me is more like the Washington game in that how will UCLA's speed handle the receivers – in uh, this, in the, 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 ta- the difference is, though, Oregon can not only hurt you with their speed on the perimeter, throwing the football, but also running the football. And so that's kind of where it comes down to it for me. I think that balanced attack that Oregon brings to the table, I think that's something that's really helped Bo Nix is they're not asking him to do a, a million different things, you know, run when you have the opportunity, but we're not going to necessarily run you a bunch. The read zone stuff helps take that pressure off of them. They're not asking him to run a million complex schemes. They're putting him in good positions and he's thrived so far. Uh, same thing with Dorian Thompson Robinson. He's just a better decision maker now, right? And, and to your point, there were games in the past where Dorian Thompson Robinson would look like, man, okay, now I see why he was a top 100 recruit. And then other games you're like, dude, this dude shouldn't even be there. And so – when when you look at it, it, it's just one of those things, Ryan, where I just think I'm going with the home quarterback and the home defense is really what it boils down to. So I'm going UCLA 34, UC, or, uh, excuse me, Oregon 34, UCLA 28. I don't think it's going to be as high scoring as you think it's going to be. The interesting mm-hmm. thing is uh, you and I could could either pull away from the rest of our staff or fall behind because... Uh, we were the only two to pick Oregon. Vince picked UCLA to win 27-24. This article will be up later this afternoon. This is the only game that we have we made predictions for. We haven't published yet. Sean Davis predicted UCLA to win 31 to 23. Andrew McDonough predicted UCLA to win 41 to 37. And Sean Styers is expecting a really big time shootout of UCLA winning 45 to 42. So that is the uh, look at that game. I I just hope it's a good game. I think it really will. I don't I don't see either team get blown out. I think these two football teams are playing really, really well. I'm just going with the home team on this one, but I'm not going to lie. I'll be rooting for UCLA. I think it'll be a good game, but I'm rooting for, uh, I, I, if I had to pick a team I want to win, I, I want UCLA to win. I think it's a cooler story, to be honest with you. I, that's kind of where I'm at, but I am predicting Oregon to win this football game. All right, so Ryan, let's get to our next game. This is the last game that we predicted publicly, and that is number 20. Te- There's two huge games in the Big 12 this weekend. Number 20, Texas at number 11, Oklahoma State. 3-30 kickoff on ABC. Texas is a six-point favorite on the road over the higher-ranked team, Ryan. Oklahoma State is coming off of a game... And, and uh, let's see, it was, uh, they were up 24 to seven at one point time, and they were up 27 to 13 at another point in time and lost in overtime to TCU. TCU came back and won that game. Uh, Oklahoma state, I mean, really should have won that game. And, and um, you got to wonder how they're going to handle it, right? How are they going to bounce back from it, Ryan? That's the big question mark. And then you look at Texas Texas is five and two. They're in a position where they're still in contention for the Big 12 crown because one of their two losses was out of conference. Here's the other interesting thing about this, Ryan: Texas is a completely different looking team when Quinn, Quinn Ewers is a quarterback. The mm-hmm. Texas Tech loss to me does not happen if Quinn Ewers is not injured for that game. So you know they 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 what they. But here's the thing I like about Texas: there's two ways to look at it. Their win over Iowa State last week was ugly and sloppy but I'm actually happy that it was because that's the kind of game Texas showed that they could not win last year, that ugly, low-scoring game. And they hadn't proven to me that they could win it this year. Lost Alabama in similar fashion. You lost to Texas Tech in similar fashion. You haven't – You show me you can blow people out. You haven't shown me you can put that team away in the fourth quarter. They did that against Iowa State. So who emotionally comes into this game most focused? Oklahoma State. How do they handle the loss to TCU? You know where's Texas at mentally after a couple big wins? It's going to be a really big game, and it's a game that that puts the winner right there because after this weekend, Ryan, there's only going to be one Big Twelve team left undefeated, and we'll talk about Kansas State and TCU are both undefeated. They play each other. We'll talk about that later, but now you have you only have one undefeated team left, and then you're in a situation where Texas and Oklahoma State are the only two other teams with only one loss. So the loser of this game gets put in a really tough spot to where it's going to be much tougher to get into the Big 12 title game. For the loser, the winner positions themselves to really be right there going to the end. So big, big game in Stillwater. How do you see the game playing out, Ryan, and what is your prediction for the final score?
2: Yeah, for this one, it's a really interesting game, Brian, because you know I've been a supporter of Oklahoma State. Like I thought they were going to have a a good football team, obviously, and they almost continued their – undefeated streak last week against TCU, but you've seen, I think, Spencer Sanders take a nice step with that program. You know, it could be a very more consistent version of himself this year, but Texas, I mean, I agree with you. I think that this was the biggest difference in the football game for me is that Quinn Ewers has been a completely game changer for this program. When he plays, this offense just looks so much different than what it has during the course of the year. So I think that for me, The difference is going to be at the quarterback position. I think Spencer's going to make some plays, which is why I have a a little bit of a higher scoring game. But I think ultimately Quinn Ewers is going to be the difference in this football game. So I have a 37, 35 Texas wins in a shootout. He's just a little bit better than Spencer
1: Sanders in in this game. This is one of those games, Ryan, where there's two games this week where I'm different than everybody else on staff and and this is one of those this the other one I hope I'm wrong this one I really don't carry either way I like both of these teams I like what Steve is doing at Texas uh, I've always enjoyed what what uh what Mike Gundy has done at Oklahoma State but uh you know to me here's kind of here it, it's just, I still don't I still don't know a lot about these teams you know we haven't seen Oklahoma State really get tested a ton uh they they looked really good for half the game last week Texas is Texas is like. Are they the team that blew out Oklahoma? Or are they the team that that barely beat Iowa State? I really don't know. Here's kind of the way I look at it. Neither of these teams play any defense. I think Texas is the more balanced team. To me, they are a better running and throwing combination. I think Oklahoma State, to me, has they're a little bit more explosive, or at least they have been for much of the year. A little bit more consistent offensively. Uh, when they've lost, they lost by scoring. Where when Texas lost, they lost by not scoring and not being able to move the ball. Now, granted, in both of those losses, Quinn Ewers wasn't there at the end of the game. He obviously didn't play at all against Texas Tech, and he got knocked out against against uh, Alabama. But they only scored ten points up at that point in time. It's not like they were just like it's not like Colt McCoy where they just like went up and down the field. The the two drives Colt McCoy was in the game back in 09. So uh, Texas is still a little bit of an unknown to me in this matchup. I also, you know, when you look at Texas's big wins this year, uh, they were at home, you know, obviously. So I I still don't know if Texas is – I think – here's the thing. Texas has to prove to me they can go on the road. So, like, the win over Oklahoma, neutral field, beat West Virginia at home, beat UTSA at home, beat Louisiana Monroe at home, beat Iowa State at home. The only road game they've played this year was at Texas Tech, and they lost, right? So – I. I think they would have played better with Quinn Ewers, but we've never seen Quinn Ewers go on the road. Now, he played in Dallas against Oklahoma, but that's a 50-50 crowd. It's not that far away from where you are in Austin. Different kind of animal than going on the road and playing at Stillwater, which is a pretty loud environment. So that, to me, is going to factor in. I think Spencer Sanders' experience in these type of situations is going to win the day against Quinn Ewers' talent, but really, this is the first hostile – I mean, this is the first hostile crowd he's going to play in front of. Let's be honest about that, right? Now, the question is, is how does he handle it? That's the unknown. That's going to be the unknown. So yep. I I picked Oklahoma State in this game. Uh, I I had a very similar score to the rest of you. I went Oklahoma State 38-31. Uh, you said you had Texas 37-35. So we're – I mean, just flip a score, basically, right? And mm-hmm. add one more touchdown to Texas Tech. or Texas take away a field goal for me – Vince had Texas win 34-27, Sean Davis had Texas win in 41-35, Andrew McDonough has Texas win in 38-35 and Sean Styers has them win in 35-28. So, we all see this being a relatively entertaining game, like not high scoring like, you know, 50 to something to 50 something like Texas Oklahoma last year, but a game where offenses are going to carry the day and it's going to really come down to Whose defense can make stops in the fourth quarter? I think that that's the one thing we can agree on for sure. Ryan is the winner of this game will be the team whose defenses make stops in the second half. That's where I think this game gets decided. Which is why I'm going with the home, and that's really where I'm at, Ryan, with this game, with the Oregon game, and with the the LSU Ole Miss game. Is I'm just kind of leaning towards the home teams winning the day. So kind of taking the the you know that's that was the deciding factor in what otherwise were really close matchups for me. And that's why I took Oklahoma State in this, in this game as well. So we got two more games we want to talk about, Ryan. I'm going to stay in the Big Twelve for the next one, and that is going to be number 17 Kansas State at number eight U- TCU, eight o'clock on Fox Sports One. TCU is a three and a half home favorite in this game. Ryan, uh, you know, again, who had who had TCU and Kansas State as the last two teams standing in the Big 12 as far as undefeated teams? Raise your hand if you did. Put your hand down. You're lying. You did not have that, okay? Uh, so that's the reality of it. But that's where they are. And it's funny. Kansas State's not undefeated on the season. They're only undefeated in the Big 12 because they lost yeah. to Tulane. Right, which you're like, oh man, Kansas State's gonna struggle. Man, I really thought this was the year that Chris Klein because I came into the year thinking, like, I really think Chris Kleiman has a chance to like he's now got like full recruiting classes. Now this is his team. I think he's a good coach. I I I just was really expecting him to to get this team turned around, right? And then you come out early in the year, you you beat Missouri, blow Missouri out, you have a good win over a decent South Dakota team, which is a good FCS team, and then you lose at home to Tulane. And I'm thinking, oh, here we go again. Next week, you go on the road. You have a convincing win over Oklahoma. You beat Texas Tech. You, you, that showed me something. They, they didn't allow the emotional nature of the win over Oklahoma to get them off their game. They go out and beat a really game Texas Tech team. And then they go out last, you know, it, it, on the eighth, two weeks ago, and win a really ugly, low scoring game at Iowa State. They have not looked great the last two games, but they're getting the job done. They had a bye week to kind of reorganize. Now they have to go down to Fort Worth and play TCU who right now, Ryan, is one of the hottest teams in college football. I mean, there's yep. no ifs, ands, or buts about it. They have won, uh, s- obviously, six straight games start of the season. They blasted Oklahoma. They beat Kansas on the road, which is a very good win, and they beat Oklahoma State. To me, there's no question that TCU is the more tested team. Now, mm-hmm. the question, however, is are they going to kind of finally hit that wall where they've had so many battles week after week after week? Now Kansas State is coming off of a bye week. They're going to be fresh. They're going to be rested. So there's that dichotomy too. Uh, But I think no matter what, Ryan, I have a feeling this is going to be a really good football game. How do you see it playing out, and what is your prediction for this game? Yeah, I think that it is agreed that it's going
2: to be a very good football game. And I think the thing about TCU, Brian, is I think last week was huge for this team because for the most part, They've just been handling teams for the majority of this year. Like they've been blowing some teams out. They've been winning convincing games. They've been scoring a lot of points. And last week, they had to show some resilience against Oklahoma State because Oklahoma State went up early and they kind of controlled that football game. And the TCU had to kind of reverse that momentum and fight back to get a big victory, obviously, against Oklahoma State. So I think that was a big thing for this team because we've seen them be the front runner this year, kind of in, you know, just to boat race and get off to great, great um, early leads and then kind of just finish the game that way. But last week showing a little bit of resiliency, I think is big for this team. So I, I think that Kansas State for me is just a little too Jekyll and Hyde at this point, right? Like there's some weeks to your point where they look like a really good team. I mean, Adrian Martinez is running the ball in an impressive clip. Obviously you have Deuce Vaughn, who I think is one of the best playmakers in all of college football. And they play a good, solid brand of football. You know, they have a pretty good offensive line. Their defense has a couple guys on it, but ultimately, I think it's just TCU is going to have too much firework uh, fireworks offensively. I think that now that Quentin Johnson's starting to roll, you have the running game obviously there working as well, and it, it with uh, Kendra Miller, who's been a good player, and Max Duggan has been fantastic this year. So. Ultimately, I'm just going to go with the more explosive offense. I do think it's going to be a pretty high-scoring game because I think both offenses have shown that they can score when things are rolling, and TCU's defense has struggled a bit at times. So I will go TCU, I think, is going to win something in the in the course of a 44-37 to 37 football game. I think it's going to be competitive. I think it's going to be a really good football game, but I think TCU just has a little too much fireworks in this one, and they pull out the victory.
1: Ryan, I'm with you on that prediction I have. TCU winning. I think it's going to be a little lower scoring game than some people think. I have 34 24 with TCU scoring late. The thing, and the, the reason is, is I think this is without question the best defense that they're going to have faced so far. Uh, Kansas State, outside the Oklahoma game, Kansas State's defense has been pretty good this year. Uh, the, the diff, the, the, in the Oklahoma game, really, Oklahoma added a lot of yards late. Like where TCU was kind of or Kansas State had kind of had a lead, they backed off their defense. They were kind of letting Oklahoma start to move the ball, but it was taking a lot of plays. If you know, if you remember how that kind of that game played out. So, you know, to me, I don't, I don't, I think this is without so far, what in my opinion, I could be wrong. Kansas State's been the, the the team in the Big 12 that's impressed me the most defensively. That that's that's just kind of where I'm at on this. They they rank second in the conference in scoring. Obviously, Iowa State is the best. They benefit from the fact that they've played Iowa, uh, which is going to help any team's scoring defensive numbers. Kansas State's the defense that I trust the most right now to play good football. And so I Mm -hmm. think they're going to be able to keep TCU's points down a little bit. There's two reasons I'm going with TCU – or three reasons I'm going with TCU. Number one, it's a home game. Number two, I agree with you. I don't think Kansas State has enough firepower to to ultimately win this game. I think TCU has shown – that even if you make some stops, that they have a, they can just rip off a big play at any moment. And, yep. and I love the way that – and TCU third has shown me some resiliency this year, Ryan. I mean, yeah, they came out and they showed that they can blow a team out like they did Oklahoma. But then the next week they get a lead. They get a cu- couple convincing leads over Kansas and then lose them, and then you've got a win at the end. Then the next week they come out, they're losing big multiple times. It's 27-13 to 13 in the third quarter. And they show me that they can rally back and win the football game. Like they're, Spike Dykes or Spike Dykes? Sonny Dykes this is his dad. Sonny Dykes is showing me that his football team is mentally tough because they can win a lot of different ways. And I think that's a big key for them. So I'm going TCU to win 34-24. I just don't think Kansas State has enough balance offensively because this is a – and this is what I've said before. It's not a great TCU defense, but it's a – Better DCU defense. They can make stops. That's the thing is in every game that they've won, even games where they've given up points, they've shown that they can make stops when they need to, and that's what I like about this team. And so I don't think that you know they're, they're going to be challenged the way that they were in recent weeks by Kansas and by uh by Oklahoma State. So I think that they'll be able to keep Kansas State's points down. I think they're going to be able to slow the running game down enough where now Adrian Martinez has to beat you with his arm, and I just don't think he's going to be able to do that, and that's really what it boils down to for me. So I'm going with the firepower at TCU combined with I just don't think Kansas State is a team built for shootouts against good teams. They to a shootout against Oklahoma. It's not a good football team. So that's, that's where I'm at for this one, Ryan. I have TCU winning. Would I be shocked if Kansas State wins this game? No, because I think Kansas State's deep – Defense is really good. I think this is the best defense TCU will have faced this year. And so you wonder, like, okay, how is TCU going to handle that? And then the second part of it is, Ryan, I do worry a little bit about the fact that TCU's had to play, like, two straight really competitive 4 core emotional games in a row against Kansas and Oklahoma State. You do wonder about a bit of a, a, a wall, right? And with K-State yeah. coming refreshed, you wonder, like, okay, how it going to be? At the end, I don't think it's going to also be a matter of wins and losses, but I do think it's going to be partly why I see the points being a little bit lower in this game. So I have like a 27-24 game. TC punches one in late to put it away, and that's where I get my 34-24 final score. Last game we're going to talk about, Ryan, is your big upset of the week. And I Mm. love this one. This is a very fascinating game because I asked you, I said, hey, Ryan, what do you think about? Because we'll go through the game say, you know, which games do we want to talk about. Like last week, we had to cut like 10 games we wanted to talk about because we just didn't have time to do a seven hour show uh, and preview every single game that we wanted to talk about last week. This week, there wasn't as much. So we were kind of going through the games. And I remember the first game I asked you, I said, hey, Ryan, what do you think about doing this Minnesota at Penn State game? It's unranked Minnesota, who's four and two at number sixteen Penn State, seven thirty on ABC. Penn State is a four and a half point favorite. But Ryan, there was something very interesting about this game, which is why you wanted to talk about Minnesota, the Gophers and the, the Golden Gophers and the Nittany Lions. Let's talk about it.
2: Well, if you're on the message board, boards at IrishBreakdown.com, you know that Brian every week picks the staff upset of the week. So this week, my upset pick was Minnesota over Penn State. I mean, Brian, honestly. You know, I I thought last week when we talked about the Penn State-Michigan game, obviously I picked that game incorrectly, but at worst, I thought that game was going to be a competitive football game, you know, because Mm -hmm. I thought that they had both shown both sides to stop being able to stop the run and running the football, so I thought it was just kind of kind of be like hitting your head against the wall a little bit, you know, like something had to give eventually. Michigan embarrassed Penn State last week, absolutely embarrassed them, and when you see why they won that football game, I mean – it was because Blake Corum ran for 160 yards and Donovan Edwards ran for a buck 70. And Ryan, the a- first
1: half, the score of the first half was close, but you watched that yeah. game play out and you're like, Michigan should not be – they should be up two touchdowns. It, re- it reminded me a lot of the first year that Harbaugh played Ohio State. I think Ohio State mm-hmm. was winning like 13-10 at halftime, but you're like, dude, this game is not that close. Similar to Michigan yeah. State, Alabama in the playoff, remember that, in 15 was like 7-0 or 10-0 at halftime. You're like, dude, this has not been a competitive game. And then they rolled yeah. them in the second half. You could see the second half coming, even as Penn State was catching a couple breaks. Then they have a lead, like going into or like right before halftime, or going into halftime. But you kind of knew, like, no, this game is not going to be pretty in the second half, and it wasn't. So, to your point, it was never as close as the score indicated in the first half. Michigan outplayed Penn State in many ways from the beginning. It was they were far an inferior opponent in that game.
2: Michigan's offensive line dominated that day, and their top two running backs ran for 330 yards between the two of them. Like It was just a dominating victory for Michigan. And I think you saw some of the warts of Penn State's run defense because you pointed out last week, Brian, yeah, their run defense was good coming into the game, but what great running attacks had they played at that right. point, right? And it was It's a great point, and, but I think that this week, now you're going against a Minnesota team that also makes their living Off of running the football, like that's my biggest thing, right? I think that they have a chance, Minnesota, to come in, establish the running game, run the ball effectively, and for Tanner Morgan to do enough. You know, like you don't need Tanner Morgan to be a hero. You need him to be able to manage a football game and not turn the football over. And if those two things happen where they're able to establish the run and Tanner Morgan plays good, solid, carefree football, assignment sounds, all those types of things, I think that you can again see Penn State give up some rushing yards on the ground and not be able to win this football game. So I don't think it's going to be nearly what it was last week, but I think Minnesota can come into this game, establish a line of scrimmage, and they can come out with a 28-20 victory. Penn State's going to be able to score a little bit on Minnesota, but I think Minnesota plays a good style of defense. They run the football, and they don't make many mistakes from the quarterback position. So I had Minnesota in the upset this week over Penn State.
1: Ryan, Mike, here's my question for you. I'm not disagreeing with you. I'm just setting you up for a response. Obviously, last week you saw Minnesota's offense struggle for the second straight week. They got Muhammad or Ibrahim back, but it just seemed like they could not catch a rhythm in that game Mm -hmm. offensively. It's now two games in a row. Now, Purdue actually has a surprisingly good defense this year, uh, especially their rush defense. And so, obviously, that factored in not having Ibrahim and playing Purdue. That was the reason for that. I was really disappointed in the Minnesota offense. Do you think Minnesota has the perimeter playmakers that they need to take some of that pressure off the run game, especially with this game being at Happy Valley?
2: I I think that they have enough in the sense that I think that once you... The RPO game, I think, is big for Minnesota. Like When they're rolling... I think that you've seen that that's the best part of Tanner Morgan's game, right? So I think that it's all an extension of the run game, but like to answer your question, Brian, I think they do have enough. And I also think that Minnesota's tight ends are good football players. Like I think of Brevin span forward, or I think he'll be able to work the seam a little bit, that'll be able to loosen up the box as well in that regard also. So I think that they'll have enough in the passing game, just in general on the outside and at tight end to give you enough. And I think that Muhammad Ibrahim working down, you know, down down the uh, the gut of the defense, being able to make some guys miss in the hole, being able to churn those hidden yardage. I think that he is the difference maker in this football game ultimately. So I think it's a Penn State team that you came off of a big opportunity and you laid a goose egg, and I think that you just have a little bit of a hangover in the second week now as well. And I think that some of the warts kind of show themselves again for the for the
1: second straight week for the Penn State run defense. I dig, it. Ryan. I'm a, I'm going to do something that I did not prepare you for. But we're going to have some (laughs) fun here, okay? Uh, On our IB Nation Sports Talk Show with Sean Styers, one of the things that they do is they do a thing called Rapid Fire. And so you know what they do. That's something Sean brought over with him. I think it's a great segment. So I'm going to kind of do a little something similar to what they do with their Rapid Fire. And I'm going to go through some different games, and I'm going to ask you what you think about certain aspects of a game. And I'm going to just have you give Mm -hmm. me just your gut reaction. And I'm going to begin here. Does Ohio mm-hmm. State cover their thirty-point spread against Iowa? Yes,
2: I think they do. Just because I think that Iowa's offense is just so anemic, and Ohio State's defense has improved this year, right? So, I mean, you, you we talked about it a little before the show. It's like if Ohio State gets to the thirty, they might be able to cover the spread without that's anemic right. Iowa's
1: <laughs> offense is. So that's right. Yeah, that's right. Yes, because the the sad thing is the sad thing is about Iowa this year is their defense is actually pretty good. It's really good. it's a pretty yeah. good defense, and it's completely getting wasted. Here is my next question. We're going to kind of stay in the state of Ohio to a degree. Cincinnati opens the season with a a tough loss to Arkansas. They now have won five games in a row. They have cracked mm-hmm. the top twenty-five because it's been five ugly wins in a row. They play at SMU, who has taken a step back under Rhett Lashley from where they were. Can SMU pick up a signature win and upset Cincinnati, or do the Bearcats keep rolling?
2: I think the Bearcats keep rolling in this one. SMU just – it seems to be something missing there, man. Like they have a good offense with Tanner Mordecai and Rasheed Rice, but I think that Cincinnati offensively will be able to score a little bit against SMU. I just don't think that they're the defensive team that you're going to be able to hold Cincinnati down enough. And I think that Cincinnati, although – kind of inconsistent from an offensive perspective. They still have some nice guys on the defensive side of the football. So give me Cincinnati in that game. I don't feel great about it, but I'm just having a hard time believing in SMU at all.
1: Okay. I, I, I dig that. I'm actually, I'm actually going with SMU with the upset. It's going to be mine. Uh, here's an interesting one. I was surprised mm-hmm. by this spread. Kansas at Baylor, both mm-hmm. teams com- coming off losses. Kansas lost at Oklahoma. Baylor lost at West Virginia. Baylor is a ten point favorite. Oof. What are your thoughts on that spread? Uh, take Kansas to cover the spread. <laughs> that's my thoughts. <laughs> I mean, even
2: if even if Jason Bean is playing quarterback again, and it's not you know it's not Jalen Daniels, like that's a lot of points for a team. I know that there's always those get right games, right? Where Baylor, you know, played a bad game against a up and down West Virginia team. Maybe they come back and play a really good game. But Kansas has been a tough out, man. Even when they've lost, it's been competitive mm-hmm. football games. So
1: ten points, give me those ten points. I'll take those. Next question: We're going to be in the Big Ten. Okay, mm-hmm. we're gonna we're we're gonna look at Rutgers. The Rutgers oh. Scarlet Knights are three and three. They have wins over Boston College, Wagner, and Temple. They have since lost three straight games against Iowa, which is a bad loss. Ohio State, and then last week lost at home to Nebraska. They host Indiana who has had the Mm -hmm. issues of their own question for you, Ryan, two-part question. Number one, does Rutgers get back on track and win the game? They are, I believe, three-and-a-half-point favorites in this game, three-point favorites in this game. And if they do, does Rutgers go bowling for the right reasons in 2022, meaning they don't get in because there weren't enough six-and-six or better teams? Now, their stretch is at Minnesota, home against Michigan, at Michigan State, home against Penn State, at Maryland. It, will they beat Indiana? And if they do, will Rutgers go bowling for the right reasons?
2: I think it's a yes and a no off the top of my head. You know, okay. like I think that I think that Rutgers can win this football game. I think that they have a good opportunity. Because if you watch the Nebraska game, man, that was a back and forth game, and Rutgers had a chance to win that football game. Rutgers has been playing pretty tough football for the most part. I mean, there's just going to be some games where just the talent. Their just offense too has
1: very little yes ability wiggle room, especially quarterback. Margin for error. Like, they just have nothing, man. I mean, honestly, have, it's, it's – Their quarterback position is as bad. Mm, Iowa Iowa might – might, it might be worse than Iowa. Like, they – It is.
2: It, it's, it is, because yeah. at, at least Iowa yeah. knows who their guy is. Their guy just isn't good. Rutgers also yeah. has no good quarterbacks, and they don't know who their guy is. Like, it's just been that yes. type of season. So, I think that they – I think that I'll pick them to win this week in that matchup. But I, I think long-term, when you kind of laid out that schedule, I think – Rutgers probably only gets to about five wins this season. So unless there's another opportunity to go bowling at five and seven to your question, I don't think they go bowling, but I think that they play a little tougher this year than they have in a couple past years. So they show things are heading somewhat in the right direction. It's just, yes,
1: agree. They're trending in the right direction because under previous coaches, they don't go five and seven last year to even be in position to go bowling. And they're not three and three this year. You are correct. Yes. ACC game. We're going to, we're going to go to the ACC Duke plays at Miami. Now, Duke got off to a great start, won four of their first three games, their only loss, four of their first five games. Uh, Only loss was at Kansas in a really competitive football game. They have lost two three-pointers in a row at Georgia Tech and home against North Carolina. Played North Carolina very tough. Miami has been wildly erratic, won their first two games, then lost three in a row to Texas A&M Middle Tennessee State and North Carolina, bounced back with an ugly but much-needed win last week over Virginia Tech. Can Duke yeah. get back on track and pull off the upset as the 10-point underdog, or does Miami finally start to go on a roll, which then leads them to at Virginia, home against Florida State, at Georgia Tech before their big November 5th matchup against Clemson? So, Ryan, can Virginia, can Duke either A, cover or pull off the upset, and if Miami wins, does, does is this the springboard for Miami – to get rolling in advance of their November matchup against Clemson.
2: I I think that I definitely think that Duke can cover the spread. I think 10 points is a lot of points. I think I would pick Miami in this football game to ultimately win though. And that hurts me a little bit because, you know, I've been a supporter of Riley Leonard, Michael Elko and the Duke football team. I think that they have some good qualities to them. It's just, it's the first year under Mike Elko. You know, there's going to be some, positions where you just need to continue to evolve and continue to get better. So I think that Miami, especially now that their passing game is starting to get rolling a little bit now, I think that they're just going to outpace Duke a little bit. But I do think Duke covers the spread. I'm not sold on Miami just kind of long term, but I mean for this football game
1: they can be ugly in their win last week against Virginia Tech. That was more about Virginia Tech being bad than it was about Miami. So well, yeah, expand. I would not be, no sh- I, so moral of the story is we both think Miami wins a close game, but neither of us would be shocked if Duke goes on the road and wins this football game, correct? 100%, 100%, okay. yep. We are going to go to a couple games in the Big Ten, or one game in the Big Ten, actually. I do not want to talk about Northwestern Maryland. <sighs> Purdue at Wisconsin, Purdue's 5-2. and two. Purdue's 5-2 and two is one of a very impressive 5-2. and two. They had a loss against Penn State where they really outplayed Penn State till the very end. And then they had yep. a loss to Syracuse where they played toe-to-toe with an undefeated Syracuse for the entire game. They beat Indiana State 56-0, Florida Atlantic by only two, but without Aiden O'Donnell. And then they beat Minnesota on the road, they beat Maryland on the road, and then they beat Nebraska last week. They are playing Wisconsin, who is a two-and-a-half-point favorite. So my question is, What the freaking heck does Vegas constantly see in Wisconsin? They were favored last week to beat Michigan State and lost. How does a team that fired their coach and lost to Michigan State, how are they favored at home over Purdue? Explain that to me and then tell me who you think is going to win that game. It's a tough one.
2: I would – I would lean Purdue in this football game if I had to, because I think for the reasons that we've talked about already, Purdue's defense has played a lot better than you would think. And as long as Aiden O'Connell is healthy, I think that you're going to be in a pretty good position offensively. So I think those things outweigh it.
1: What's the reasoning, Brian? I have no idea. I mean, if I'm being completely honest, man. like I, I every guess year. The metrics or the analytics always make out Wisconsin to be something that they're not. It was like last well, year, no matter how many games they lost, they kept staying in the top 15 of the F and S plus thing or whatever. You know, yeah. it's like, like, and I think we, get it. we picked Michigan state to win last week too. Like, I think you did as well. Yes. I know Sean Styers did. Yes. I did. Cause I'm like, no, like, okay. They beat Northwestern guys. Northwestern is awful. Yeah. <laughs> They're really awful. They're really they might actually be able to lose to UConn. Like that's how bad they are. So Jim Moore's is actually doing, I mean, UConn's terrible, but they're actually play tough. Have you watched them They're at better all than they year? were last year. Last he's, year doing they were a awful. Re, he's doing, yeah. a, I mean, he has no talent, yeah. but he's doing a nice job yes. of getting those kids to compete every week. Anyway, uh, yes. so so yes, I, I don't get Vegas' sure, analytics infatuation sure. with, with Wisconsin. I, do I, I mean, I'm
2: going, my mind is going, Brian, I typically a Wisconsin team runs the football well and plays good defense, but this year is not a typical Wisconsin team. So I, I can't yeah. explain it. I mean – you can sell Braylon Allen to me. He's a great football player. You can say Keanu Benton to me, the defensive tackle, because he's a really good football player as well. But as far as being a favorite right now against Purdue, especially that has been a tough out for everyone. I yeah, I can't explain it either.
1: Can't do it for you. Last one in the SEC, Ryan. Texas A&M at three and three goes on the road to play South Carolina, who is four and two. Now South Carolina mm-hmm. is a fascinating team because after three games i'm like this is going to be a rough year for south carolina yep And an ugly win over georgia state won by 21 but it was sloppy got blasted by arkansas got annihilated at home by georgia since then they beat charlotte nobody cares south carolina state nobody cares last week they went on the road and beat kentucky by 10 yeah. yep so what, what do we make of South Carolina? Was last week a fluky win or is Shane Beamer turning the program's corner with spent with, um, why am I forgetting the quarterbacks? Spencer, name? Rattler. Spencer Rattler. I kept wanting to say Spencer Riley, Spencer Rattler quarterback. Are they turning the corner with that duo and do they knock off Texas A&M or was last week a fluke and the Aggies go on the road and roll? I have a follow-up question. Once you tell me how you see this playing out. I-
2: Look, I wouldn't be, I wouldn't be surprised if this game goes either way. If I'm being honest, but I, I think that for me, I, I buy more into it being a little bit of a fluke last week, Brian. I mean, that was one of the scores where you're like, South Carolina beat Kentucky twenty six to sixteen. Like, what the heck is that? That was that was a bizarre, bizarre score, and I, I just said, I'm not, I'm not buying it. Into Levis, South Carolina, right? I mean, that's yeah, a, true. They never true. Blew Levis,
1: which is fat. What that's big. In.
2: That's big, right. but I mean, even even still, man, I'm just like I, I just I'm having trouble buying into the South Carolina team. Rattler has not been very good. The passing game is, I mean, passing game weapons mm-hmm. have not been entirely good this year. The defense has kind of been a little up and down and not spectacular. So I just don't think South Carolina is a very good football team. So I think ultimately Texas A&M has an advantage in talent. So I would opt for the talent mm-hmm. in this one. So I think they win. I don't think it's a like convincing victory but I would take Texas A&M in this game. I just I can't buy into South Carolina as an as another upset bid.
1: I get it. And well, the interesting thing is is that is based on the uh the 3 point spread. It would sound like Vegas agrees with you that Texas A&M is yeah. going to get the win. Uh, here's my follow-up question. I yes. by the way, I don't necessarily disagree with you. I'm not I hope you're wrong. I hope we are wrong, but I don't disagree with you. Here's the question. Yep. Mm-hmm. If South Carolina wins this football game, does that mark the beginning of the end of the Jimbo Fisher era in Texas and in uh, College Station?
2: Can it he should. recover
1: from a 3 and 4 start and a that includes a loss to South Carolina?
2: I mean with how they've looked the last couple of years, Brian, I mean this year has been just this has been an awful year because I mean you're you go from Haynes King is your quarterback to Max Johnson, Max Johnson hurt. And then you're making excuses that Haynes King is a backup quarterback. It's like, Hey Jimbo, he was your starting quarterback to start the year, buddy. Like he's not a backup quarterback for you. Right. Right, There's just a lot of excuses. And at some point, Brian, like the acquisition of talent's awesome. You know, like Jimbo recruits very well, or his staff recruits very well, <laughs> yeah. I should say. And the but boosters help him recruit really well. well. Yes, yes. They give him a lot of
1: reasons to come to uh and They give him a lot of that. resources to go recruit
2: yes. well. <laughs> 100%. But, I mean, it, yes, if, if you fall to three and four and you just have not seen improvements over the last couple of years, I would say that you've even trended downward this year. Yes. Then at what point – do you just kind of go like, hey, man, he might be a good recruiter, but like this isn't help. This isn't working. Like, It's yeah. not working. You know, it's, it's not going to get any better from here. So right. I think it could be a downfall for him if he loses to South Carolina. Ultimately, I think Texas A&M is just going to pull away in this game. But to your point, if South Carolina wins, this could be a very tough thing for Jimbo to start yes. explaining to the administration and the boosters
1: around the program. Because they have they have not looked like. Here's my question: Is does the Alabama loss, and this isn't for you to answer, it's just rhetorical. Does the Alabama loss kind of crush them because they're three and three now, and you got to sit with it the whole bye week, or is it? Hey, we went toe to toe with Bama. We are actually pretty good. We're going to bounce back. That's going to be the big question for AM. Now, here's my other question, Ryan: If AM loses this game, do they make a bowl game? It'd be three and four. They play. They play Ole Miss next week at home. Then they play Florida at home, at mm-hmm. Auburn, home against UMass. That's a win. And then they're home yeah. against LSU. Three and four against that schedule. Can't beat South Carolina. Your wins are a two-point win over Arkansas, who's clearly not as good as we thought, a ugly eight-point win over Miami, and a sloppy 31 nothing win over Sam Houston. So if they lose to South Carolina, does Texas A&M go bowling?
2: it's really close it's really because I think they'll beat Auburn I think they'll beat UMass obviously can you get one more win out of the last three I but mean here's, that's here's the thing arc. though
1: right you, you, what yeah. you said is if you can lose to South Carolina and App State and barely beat Miami you yeah. can lose to Auburn you can uh, you know like you here's what I'll say about Auburn they're not no. a great team but they're playing hard for Brian Harson. they are they battled Ole Miss last week they battled LSU They compete. Right. And I thought they were going to quit after they got annihilated by Penn State. I thought they were going to quit. And they mm-hmm. didn't. They've rallied around them. Now, does that keep happening? As they keep losing, that's a, that's a question. That's a different question for a different day. Right. And sure. what Auburn has, they have Arkansas, they have a bye week this week. Then they have Arkansas at home. Then they're at Mississippi State before they play. If they can win one of those two games, I do think they have a shot to beat AM at home. But if they lose their next two games, that's when Auburn checks out and AM will go on the mm-hmm. road and beat them. That'll be the yeah. interesting thing. But yeah, I if they lose to South Carolina, my prediction is that AM will not make a bowl game. Because that because again, this is what happens when you buy your players and the way that they bought their players, they're not invested. They didn't commit mm-hmm. to you and your program, they committed to a dollar amount. And yeah. that that is when that is when you see, you know, it's like hiring a bunch of mercenaries to fight a war, right? Like they're not invested in the cause. They're, you know, eventually the 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 money isn't worth <laughs> you know, what they're going through. And that's kind of the, that's the interesting aspect of it for me.